What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Life's a Garden. Today's guest is an all-around artist. He does music, he does comedy, he does visual arts, and you can find all of his work at his channel, Spirit Squad, which will be linked in the description, so go check that out. Follow him, follow all of his uh, work, and uh, yeah, just check it out. We get into some really deep conversations in this one. We talk about sobriety. We talk about spirituality. Uh, it's a really, really good conversation. I think you guys are going to dig it. Um, yeah, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Jeremiah Hobbenreiser. Before we even really started recording, we we were talking about all kinds of different creative ventures mm -hmm. and things that I was even unaware of that you dabbled in, mm -hmm. which is interesting, and I'd like to kind of touch on a little bit of all of them. Absolutely. But before we even do, go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug and any uh, places that you, people can check you out, any of your stuff, um, social medias, whatever. Okay. Uh, well, uh, as far as... Uh, my first main thing, um, <clears throat> I have a YouTube channel called Spirit Squad Channel R, and uh, you'll know it's us when you see the uh, the little teddy bear with the Mustang's cap all blinged out, so that's us. And um, it's got a little bit of everything. Um, it's got some comedy vids, or what I consider comedy. Uh, a lot of uh, music stuff, but mostly at this point, it's me... Um, doing karaoke but i try every single thing i can imagine like every genre every time period um from like way back to current like i think the most current song i've done recently was uh sam smith and kim petra's unholy and that was a fun one because it's a really popular song and i thought okay yeah a lot of people are gonna watch this and i think it's at like seven views um but you never really know what to expect um because like I said, I'll, I'll do something that I'm thinking, okay, a lot of people are going to really like this. And it'll, like, maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get, like, 50 views. And then there's something I can do that's just, like, a silly little throwaway thing that I just was just doing just for fun. And that'll get a lot of views. So I really don't know what to expect anymore. I just, I've gotten to the point where I just, I do everything, throw it out there, put it on the channel. And if people want to check it out, it's there. And honestly... Everybody's like, well, you're doing all these karaoke covers and tributes, which is what they are. And it's also training, too, because I learn from all this. And I look at it like if anything happens to me or whatever, that is kind of like, like, I look at it kind of like Nirvana with the lights out. Because once Kurt was gone, there was like really no new Nirvana material. Like they had that like one song. And so when I bought that, I was, I liked it and it was good and I liked the different versions of it, but I was just like, Jeez, this is like, so I guess basically what I'm doing is I'm just trying to do as much as I can and it's like build like a legacy. So if anything does happen or I can't do it anymore, or if I get like John Lennon, because I have this fear that now that I'm actually making music and art, just all I want to do is make people happy and entertain and put out good energy and like merit and virtue into the world. 
and I feel I had just I have this fear that somewhere somebody does it out for you. Well, like an impending doom type. And I have I have my detractors. Like for the most part, I think most people are down with what I'm doing, but there are some people that, like, literally when I'm up there, I can feel their hatred. Like, which is like, so bizarre. Yeah, it's just like, how is me going up there wearing a wig, singing a pop song? Why? Well, and I was gonna say too. Um, I think I think I I would hope hatred isn't the isn't the way people feel, but I mean, you never know. Everybody has different feelings. I think I'm sure there's definitely a handful of people who who find it different yeah, absolutely and to a lot of people different is bad yeah you know yeah which I, I mean i'll be the first to admit the first time i saw you up there i was like what the hell is going <laughs> on here because you know normally you'd people go up and they're actually really nervous mm -hmm. and but you're very boisterous you're very you know uh performative which is mm. great and and like you said it's kind of like a practice ground you know yeah well i i think i heard this really great quote i think it was Jimi hendrix he said Everybody needs like a room where they can go and just explode and like <clears throat> just put it all out there, almost like an exorcism. I think, which is a lot of times, a lot of songs, especially certain songs, is absolutely therapy. It's it is an exorcism. It's it's a chance to just take these complex emotions and all these feelings and thoughts, and then within the context of that song. It's kind of like, kind of like what Jimi Hendrix was talking about. It's like everybody needs that room they can go to, and I think, for him as well as I, for myself, I think it's the stage. I feel like I'm a deep cover agent. I've, I'm like an archangel, deep cover that has to go into the world, and I'm trying to. Yeah, that's kind of like the Spirit Squad mission statement. When I'm like initiating people into this, I'm like, realize that each one of us is a nuclear warhead in the enemy reactor core. So that's kind of <laughs> how I look at it. Like, like if you're truly good in love, and that's really, I think, what we worship is love and, and virtue and justice. Like, So I think each one of us is powerful in our own way. So I feel like if we're all army of ones, we're an army of army of ones. So each person... Because I, I, I did a lot of research on like terrorists and how they would have these cells where it was just like they were all unattached to each other. And I'm like, that's brilliant. That's like nanotech. I'm like, that's scary. Like, wow, you can't, there's no oversight. They, they have their mission. They accomplish it. Like, how do you fight something like that? And I'm like, well, there's got to be counterpoint to that. Like, if there's, if the bad guys are doing that stuff, well, what about the people? It's just like, if they're using hate and stuff, then like, let's use love. And um, a lot of people are like, dude, that's really schmaltzy. And I'm like, I don't, look at it like that i think each one of us has i look at it like we all have some kind of gifts like we're all mutants and so we all have our own powers whatever it may be and so i think if it depends it's like are you using it for good or using it for bad and so i i my goal is to kind of like like imagine if magneto had professor x's mindset and i'm just trying to gather up all these mutants so we can like i want to like help them like discover their powers train Use your powers. Know that you have a place in this world. You're safe with us. We're all together. If they come after one of us, they come after all of us. And so to me, Spirit Squad is like an army, Spirit Squadron. We're like an army, and it's an, a love army. That's why I'm learning to put the hearts and the O's where it's just like, because like Taylor Swift has her Swifties, and I'd like to have my ghosties. Because like, there's a lot of people don't know that other, the seance is kind of like a, 
it's a mixture of a lot of things. It's like the bass where all these different spirits come in. So I, it's an awesome sounding board for all these different ideas. And I have a an alternate dark persona that I call Pharaoh Phantom. And that's going to be the heaviest, scariest music I've ever made. I'm kind of terrified of it. I don't know how I would be able to even perform that live. Um, cause it's going to be layered and so heavy that I could do some of it, but I, cause I just said to myself, I'm like, how do you make something that's so dark and scary and terrifying that you can't perform it live? You can only buy the CD or download it. Um, and so that's something I'm kind of scared of it. Like I, I don't, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But like, I, all I know is that the first album I'm going to make, it's got like a letterbox thing of my eyes, like like as scary as it can look like with my eyes roll back in my head and it'll have the, uh, the Egyptian logo, which it's borderline satanic. It's, uh, it's full on satanic. And, uh, it's just, the album is called dusk and it's all the dark stuff that I want to do artistically without, I don't want to commit to that lifestyle. And I'm like, I'm not a devil worshiper. I don't, I hate evil. I hate cruelty. I hate all that stuff. But this is a chance to like exercise all that poison, and the sad part is it'll probably do pretty well, right? Because I mean, for for some reason, like darkness just sells, and yeah. But I think you know, here's an interesting thing that I've, I, I I don't oh I think it was Marilyn Manson that actually mm-hmm. said it. Um, the most interesting character in the story is the villain, always. And yeah. for whatever reason, we're attracted to the villain, mm-hmm. and whether it's because maybe we want we're waiting to see justice be given mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. because we know that's not the right way to be. Right. So it's just more attractive. It's more interesting. It's more intriguing to, yeah. to like get in them. Like that's why all these serial killer mm-hmm. documentaries and things like that are so popular mm-hmm. because people want to get in the minds of these people and yeah. try and understand them because they don't themselves think that way. We all think like the hero or yeah. like the majority of us do. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to get in that mindset and to understand that, but it's harder to understand evil. Well, and I think we're raised a certain way that's very um, do the right thing, don't do the wrong thing, be like this, do this. And so the other side of the coin, it's kind of like the grass is always greener kind of a thing where it's just like, oh, I wondered what it'd be like if I just did whatever I wanted or what if I just killed anybody I didn't like. And and you know you can't do that in real life without consequences, but that's what's so great about art is it allows you to do an experience. It's almost like a door to other worlds. That's why I love writing so much. Because um, I too am co- I'm more compelled by villains, and in all of my stories, no matter how bad the villain is, because I'm on a quest to create bad guys that are as good as Hannibal Lecter or like Doctor Doom or like. Because I'll go on a lot of the Marilyn Manson um, comment boards and uh, one of my favorite hashtags is my favorite supervillain because I kind of leapt to his defense when they were trying to me to him Mm. because I thought, I mean, you got to know what you're getting into with a guy like that. And so I think a lot of these women, and I don't think it's ever okay to abuse women or mistreat them or rape them or drug them or exploit them, but then a lot of these women willingly went in to these relationships with powerful men with every intent of I'm going to get what I want out of this. So it's kind of like as a prostitute and I'm not calling them women prostitutes. I'm just saying if you decide to prostitute yourself, you kind of know what you're getting into to some extent and you don't want to like get hurt or whatever, but you almost like sign a contract that says, these are the things that could happen if I do this. 
And so I'm all for the Me Too movement to the extent of the people that were uh, exploited and mistreated. But it's if you go into something willingly, like if like if I'm a woman and I know a guy has a reputation for being abusive and just awful, and whether he's rich or whatever, and if I get involved with him, like what did I expect? Did I did I think oh well I'll be different? It's just like he's got a past track a past track record of beating, cheating lying and abusing and so it's like if you went into that willingly that's like that's like if i if there's like a biker bar that's notoriously violent it's like the kind of place you don't want to go in there you'll get stomped and i willingly go in there like i can't be surprised i'm like yeah they beat the living shit out of me and robbed me i'm like it was kind of the writing was kind of on the wall a little bit but but i mean that's a it's a sticky situation Mm -hmm. to because yeah like you said you don't want to like say they deserved it. Like, that's no. definitely not the thing that is no. being said. But it's like, it, to an extent, you kind of have to have some expectation of reality. Mm-hmm. It, well, it's it, and the same thing could happen with a guy. It's like, if you know a girl is notorious for cheating... Or stealing, or, stealing or, or cheating, or, lying, or whatever. Or being a psycho, or is even, uh, you know, suspected of killing, you know, some of her ex-husbands, like, and you get involved with her. I mean, there's the possibility that it's all lies, because it's there's a saying, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. And I really agree with that because there's such this, it's like a misinformation engine and there's so much lies and gossip that it's really hard to know the truth. Like, like, like somebody that you've never met, you can hear all these things about like, Oh, she's a whore. Oh, he beats his wife. Like you don't know unless you, there's always more than one side of a story. So it's like, that's why I really, I hate when people break up and then there's, they're like, and like divorce and nasty breakups like this, slinging all these lies and muck at each other and you don't know who to believe. And that's like, I think that's a really good example. That was the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing, because I think both of them were doing messed up stuff. And then it turned out to be a nasty public divorce Hmm. where she played the whole victim card. And I'm not saying he was a saint by any means. I think they both, were probably pretty awful. Um, but it's not cool to lie. And I just think that whole thing was like ridiculous. And he did come out on top in that, but I have a theory. I think anything that's evil, wrong, any darkness will be brought to light. So whatever you do in the shadows will somehow be made known. So I, I, I try am learning to like live my life as if I were on camera 24 seven and and for me because we basically are anymore god well and yeah and also i think as i've come along in my faith i realize god knows every single thought you've thought everything you've said everything you've done even if no one else thought god saw it and so it's just like to me i had this revelation it's like someday when we our lives are over and if we have to like god's gonna like look in the book of life be like well looks here oh and he's gonna know about everything and so Rather, you can't lie to God. What are you going to be like? Oh, well, and God's not going to accept excuses. I mean, you know, if somebody breaks in your house and you shoot them, that's different. Or if some dudes are jumping you and you end up stabbing a couple of them, well, that's self-defense. Or if you were in war, you didn't have a choice. But for the most part, every single thing you've ever done is going to be in that book. And so I don't, I came to the conclusion that's like, Lord, how do I get right now? And not just to save my own ass, but like, how do I be pleasing to you. Like I oftentimes when I'm praying, I like always thank God. I'm like, please bless these people. Please do this. Please help me do this. But also thank you. 
thank you. And I'm just, I'm learning about like praise and gratitude. And they say you can't enter heaven without Thanksgiving. And like, rather than in the Old Testament where people would like slaughter a bull and drain its blood and burn it, like God wants us to be a living sacrifice. So I think if we live our lives in a certain way that is pleasing to God, and it's funny, God is a swear word now. I know. Like if you're like, oh, I love God, they're like, people are, they're like vampires. They're like, well, it's, it's kind of, it's interesting because I mean, to whatever conspiracy, conspiratory effect, perhaps it does seem like there's been a very active deconstruction of the, the modern family. Absolutely. And a lot of that starts with the deconstruction of faith and Mm -hmm. God and religion and making sure like, it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. even though like, you know, say what you will about religion as itself, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not the most religious person. Mm-hmm. I'm like kind of how you said more spiritual, yeah. but, um, th- th- yeah, they kind of just turned religion and, and faith and everything into like a nasty thing to talk about. And I have noticed this, there's some kind of evil agenda foot. Ironically, one of the tenants in, Satanism is do what thou wilt, but harm none. And I think a lot of that is based on old Druidic practices. And I do believe there's an all out assault on the family structure. Um, Like somebody that you've known your whole life can go to college and come out a completely different person because it's just like an ideas factory. And I really feel there's like some kind of weird, evil agenda afoot. Because I, I read a magazine called Tomorrow's World, which has um, got some really interesting things about how like there's an all-out assault on faith, the family structure. Like, I wonder oftentimes if this is the end times because, you know, there is some kind of tidal shift. And I kind of noticed that kind of really, in my opinion, started around... 2012 everybody thought it was going to be the end of the world i even did too i was like well what's going to happen what's going to happen but i think what they were talking about is it the was, beginning of the end it was the end of a cycle and the start of a new one so it might not it could be the end of the world or it might just be the start of a new phase mm-hmm. um, well of, another thing too and sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there um they say a lot too that this could just a lot of what's happening has been has happened before, mm-hmm. and it typically is the sign of the collapse of a of a empire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the dollar is steadily collapsing. Yeah. Uh, like like in ancient Greece or uh, Rome, it mm-hmm. was uh, Rome. There was a lot of um, yeah of uh, trying to use correct words here without offending anybody, but like. Um, promiscuity. Yeah. And uh, just deconstruct. Uh, a lot of uh, overindulgence of pleasures, mm-hmm. and then yeah, and then it collapsed, and so it could easily be the beginning of the collapse of just the Western, maybe not the Western culture or the Western, but the United States as a whole. I, I and I do think there's a lot of parallels with Rome because um, I do feel that there's kind of almost a formula. It's just like uh, it starts off one way, it goes a certain way, and then uh, certain people will take power. They'll have that power, they'll get corrupt with it, then there will be a revolt, and then that thing will be dragged down, then there will be chaos for a while, then there will be a series of rebirths. So I wonder if it's almost like a natural cycle. It very easily could be, um, and it, it wouldn't 
it, it would show through history too. Because I mean, obviously, we've gone through this before. Humanity's yeah. gone through this before. But you know, th- then you things like the Renaissance and and a whole right. and like Enlightenment and things mm-hmm. like that, re- new religious awakenings, mm-hmm. new creative awakenings. And I just I think this is a strange time where there's so much unrest. And my fear, and this is one thing I want everyone to know, especially here in America, like we need to communicate better and talk. It's just like, why do you feel the way you do? Tell me, and I will listen, and mm-hmm. I want to understand what you think, and then I'll tell you what I think. And I think by if, because everybody's talking, but nobody's listening. That's what I think is the biggest problem. Is it's like, I'm right, you're wrong. And, and to me, what's helped me the most is just like, I realize, well, am I wrong? Could I be wrong? Like, I want to understand everybody's viewpoint so I can, it's kind of like compromise. Like, all good relationships are based on compromise. So I think the one thing I want everyone to know, and I definitely am about this in Spirit Squadron, and especially, I think if we stand together, communication will bring us together, understanding will keep us together. In unity, it's like united we stand, divided we fall. So, and I think, and I I fear for the way things are going in America is because there's like all that stuff going on in China with the stuff that's going on with there over there. Like I just, there's a lot of tensions with that. And then the stuff that's going on in Russia, like with the vote tampering and hacking. And I think with all the unrest that's going on here in America, like there doesn't need to be a race war. There doesn't need to be a civil war. There doesn't need to be anything. So it's like, maybe we can avoid all those outcomes by working on it better now. Cause it's like, I'll, I'll see like what happened to George Floyd was messed up. That dude had no right to stand on his neck like that. And then there's some people are like, well, if he would have just got in the car and I'm like, well, he was scared of getting arrested. So it's like, there's all these different viewpoints. It's so hard to just be like, well, this or that. And it's just like, you can't really know what another person is going through until you've been in their shoes. So I just, I, I want to make sure that I say that we, I mean, as the world in general, but like definitely in America, we need to find solutions that are viable and communicate and understand each other and stand together because that's where I think the enemies will come. They, they want us divided at each other's throat, fighting riots in the street. And there is a lot of messed up stuff. Like, like greed is usually like, why would 1% of the population have all the wealth? Like, and then there's all these, like the price of everything is going up and like, landlords are charging these crazy amounts of rent where they're like, we're already making money, but it's not enough. So let's charge more. And then there's this huge problem with homelessness. There's this huge problem with addiction and this fentanyl crisis. And then the immigration crisis. And I always think to myself, well, isn't this entire country built of immigrants? Like, aren't we all immigrants? The only people that really had any right to be here were native Americans. So it's like every single person here in America is kind of an immigrant. So to think, Oh, well, it's okay for us to be here, but not them. And I'm just, it's such a scary thing that I think we need to like, we need to understand each other. We need to look at things from other people's perspective. We need to meet in the middle and come together and communicate and try to find some kind of compromise in middle ground where we can find actual solutions. And by us working together and standing together, um, like in my music, a lot of people are like, they always think I'm like some kind of like satanic gangster screamo tranny rapper and you know <laughs> it is what it is I'm, i you know it's entertainment i'm just trying to entertain people and hopefully you know help them get through their lives but you'll hear in my raps no matter how hardcore it sounds or what i'm saying like at the root i'm trying to give counterpoint to a lot of this 
really negative music out there like like if all I talked about was selling drugs and like committing violence and mistreating women then like what example cuz I never thought I, it it blew my mind to realize how many young children are listening to music like I never would have thought like I was walking to work one day at the fair and there was like a couple little I heard the song WAP playing and uh there was these two little kids probably like three and four and they were singing the lyrics to WAP and I'm like they're three and four and I just kind of wanted to say to the parents I'm like you let them listen to that and I'm not knocking Cardi B like she's real talented for what she does and everybody's got a right to do their thing and you can't knock the hustle but I just I wonder if some of these artists do they realize how many little kids are listening to music because I never thought about that. Yeah, but you also have to kind of put a little bit on that on the parents allow, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't control everything that your children consume. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of your job as a parent to parent them into I mean, it's yeah. not Cardi B's job to right. make sure right. certain people don't listen to what like do consume or don't consume. Yeah. You know, so there is a part of that to be played on the parents like that is literally mm-hmm. the parents job is to make sure that they stay out of trouble stay yeah. out of danger don't yeah do bad for them yeah set so boundaries and parameters and like because i think if i had a kid i'd be like and i don't want anyone to take this the wrong way but it's just like would i let my daughter listen to cardi b probably not probably wouldn't let her listen to megan the stallion i'm not knocking them as artists because they do what they do you get, go on get your hustle on ladies get as get it as they say but, like, my daughter, I'd be like, you don't get to listen to that. When you're a teenager, you listen to whatever you want. Well, and that's just it, too. It's like, I don't know that they're writing that music for them. No, I and I don't think they are. I think they're they're thinking, you know, people my age, you know, people that are grown. And I get it. Because um, I just, I realize, I mean, somebody was saying to me, they're like, that's just like stripper hop. And I'm like, that's, I mean, you know, strip clubs, women make a lot of money doing that. And I get it. You got to get your money where you can get it. And then... A lot of dudes want to go to that. I personally don't go to those places, and I'm not knocking it. It's just not for me. Like, I think it's it it's exploitive to both genders. Like, you know, a lot of those dancers there are like just – I just – I personally, it's not for me. I'm not knocking if you want to go, go, do what you're doing. I just – there's little – I like, I don't want to gamble. I don't want to drink. I don't want to get turned out on drugs. And I don't want to go to strip clubs. There's just because I've had a problem with all that. Yeah. Ish. Like, um, and I just, I don't, I think it's all of it. You know what it is? They're, all of that stuff is a trap. Mm. It's a trap. It's, and, and it's like a casino, it's based on greed. Um, and you go to a bar and yeah, it's cool to socialize and get your buzz on and have a good time. But if you're drinking too much, that's dangerous. You're hurting yourself. You could hurt someone else. Um, and strip clubs, I think. Honestly, I think it demeans everyone involved, but like then on the flip side though, some people are like, well, it's empowering to women to be able to do that. And I get that. And it's just like, you, you got to get, you got to get it. Depends on the situation. And I just, I feel like, yeah, the money's probably really good and they make a lot of money. I just feel like. It's pretty exploitative to everybody. Absolutely. And, and I just, it's so weird. Like. I have a hard stance on a lot of things. Like I'm super anti-cruelty. I'm anti-racism. I'm anti-chauvinism. I'm anti any kind of abuse for anyone ever. And it's like if anybody goes on my channel and uh, sometimes I get on my little soapbox, you know, in the descriptions part, like I'll do a song and I'll try to be like, oh, this is a tribute to this band and this is dedicated to who. And it's aimed at and like, because I've done a few, like I did, 
uh, Charlotte by Kitty as an anti-rape protest, as anti-violence against women protest. I did the same thing with uh, Stone Temple Pilots sex type thing. Um, I just did another one. I forget. There's so many of them. It's hard to keep up. And I just, I don't want to be that dude being like, oh, blah, 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 because I'm, I'm as flawed as anyone. Like, I don't think I'm better than anyone. If anything, I'm worse. I'm much worse. But I'm working on it, and I yeah. want to be my best self. And I think that's what I'm trying to do is help First of all, get my ish together and get my life together, get my mind right. And then I want to like use this platform of music or art or whatever it is to help others be their best self. And I think in doing that, like once we're all thinking right, living right, being our best selves, it's going to drop the crime rate. People are going to be better. People are going to be happier because I've oftentimes thought I'm like, look at how messed up the world is. You know, so many people are. 30 years ago or 20 years ago, things were so different from the way it is now. And I think I, there was a study where it's just like one in six or one in five identify as uh, LGBTQ. And it's fine. You be who you are. That's This is a great time to be alive if you want to be who you are. And I'm all for that. Like, be who you are. And I'll just say this. Do what thou wilt, but harm none. So, you know, it's okay to be yourself. Whoever you got to be, go for it. But just don't hurt anyone. And there's also a really good saying, I don't remember where I heard it, but it's just like, my right to swing my fist ends where someone else's nose begins. So that's why it's like, even though I have my beliefs and the things I believe in, I don't want to like force that on people. I just, I look at it like I'm just making suggestions. Like people that knew me in the past knew I was a mess. I was a wreck. I was self-destructive. I'm surprised I'm still alive um, or not in prison. And then I had this like huge seismic change in the way I thought. And then I like started really getting into my spirituality and like surrendering to that beautiful force and love. That's like, people are like, Oh, well, I don't believe in God. I'm like, well, I don't think God is some dude with white hair and sandals sitting in a throne of clouds up in the sky, or there's not some dude with like horns and a pitchfork in the middle of the earth. It's like, I think all of that is basically like the idea of good and bad love hate and there's a lot of middle ground but it's like really simple it's just like i worship love well and there's no you. there's no denying that love and hate are real things absolutely like we feel those things mm -hmm. and it's like that's energy absolutely and that's what it all is it's like we feed off this energy and mm -hmm. like when you're talking about like seeing auras yeah and like you're just maybe on a deeper connection with the energy yeah. that we all share and yeah. and that's just that's how I look at it. It's like what I see is divine. Mm -hmm. It's this this universal energy that we all are running on the same frequency mm -hmm. as, and you know, obviously, like love and hate. These mm -hmm. are feelings mm -hmm. that we that we vibe off of. Total. And so it's like, but but they're real. They're, oh, absolutely. They're, they're real energies that mm -hmm. make us change and feel certain ways. Well, and I do think there's like there's different levels to energy and there's different vibrational frequencies. And I really feel like love is the highest of those frequencies because when you have love and justice and virtue and all these good things, like in Buddhism, they call it uh, virtuous actions and merit. So by doing the right things, you're sowing good energy into the world. You're creating merit. And every time you do the wrong thing, you're creating bad energy. And they believe that, you know, everything you do, affects what happens so like because i i'm not like i don't want to say i'm christian but i don't want to say i'm not because i 
I pretty much study all religions and I kind of cherry pick, you know. See, like, I think I think a lot of religions are the same. I think I think basically all religions are essentially the same, but you know, obviously with their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. But it, essentially, it all kind of leads back to that energy. Like, yeah, we all all most. I guess not all. I shouldn't speak on everything that yeah. I'm not aware of, but most religions there is a a divine entity. Yeah. Whether that be a god or mm-hmm. multiple gods or whatever it may be. Or just an idea. Right. But it all stems from that same spiritual energy that mm-hmm. we clearly can feel. Yeah. I definitely believe in that. So I like so when people be like, Are you a Christian? I'm like, Well, I think Jesus was awesome. I think he was just trying to make things better. Um, so I don't know. I wasn't there. I can't say, did he walk on water? I can't say I wasn't there, but I believe it could be possible. And I think the best thing about faith is you have to believe to activate it. Mm-hmm. And so if you're like, oh, that's stupid. I don't believe in it. I'm like, well, then it's not going to work for you. Yeah. But I And I felt that way for many years. I was so anti-religion. I hated all of that. And I was like borderline Satanist. And I hung out with like a lot of witches and and so that's why there's definitely an occult vibe. And, but this is what I say. You can believe whatever you want as long as you're not hurting nobody. And I think as long as you're not, like, trying to shove your ideologies down people's throats, it's like, this is why I say, make suggestions. Like, if people ask me, they're like, wow, you're so different from the person I used to know. Like, you seem like you're on a lot better path. And it's like, I think I am. Um, I just kind of, like, surrendered. It, well, and it's also, it's like the destruction of the ego lie. I think that's what they're talking about in Buddhism. Like, the destruction of the self and the the fleshly self it leads to hopefully the ascendance into a spiritual state and so i think that's the eternal like cuz i oftentimes wonder what happens when you die like when you die is it just lights out and it's like a dreamless sleep or does your soul and your essence go into another life cuz you can't really destroy energy you can kind of like contain it or transmit it so i wonder i definitely think your energy disperses into yeah. other i don't know that it necessarily goes into uh another conscious being, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I, the whole idea of reincarnation and things like that, you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's something to that. Absolutely. Um, like I said, I don't know that you die and become a bug or like right. you become a bird or, you know, right. but I, I, your energy maybe gets dispersed into multiple places. That's yeah. You know, and, and you help you ever, here's an interesting thought. Um, I, I, I find when I'm writing music mm-hmm. or that when I'm, uh, just coming up with ideas. Mm-hmm. The the whole concept is that ideas are energy in themselves. Like yeah. like we don't come up with ideas. Ideas come to us. Mm-hmm. Like we harness mm-hmm. ideas. Like the akashic record kind of a thing. Right. Like maybe uh, whatever that energy is from who knows maybe past lives. Mm-hmm. Maybe just other people radiating specific energies off of themselves. Totally. They kind of just come into you. Like yeah. you have to harness it. Mm-hmm. And some people are. A little bit better at that, or mm-hmm. some people have a better frequency connection to mm-hmm. being able to receive that, and some people don't. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think more creative people, like yeah. creatives, can harness that. Or maybe creativity is its own frequency in itself. Yeah. And and maybe people who that. are uh, good at theorizing mm-hmm. science and mathematics and things like that, they're yeah. on a different frequency because they can harness those things Turtle. better. It's it's just a theory on on ideas in itself, but that's how I feel. Like sometimes I feel like I'll just start singing and yeah. thing and words just start coming out. And I'm like, oh, that's something. 
Like right. that, that's something that I never even thought about, mm-hmm. but that's something. Maybe like you're like channeling exactly. something or. Exactly. Because I oftentimes wonder where is there just like this, if the Akashic record is true and then all the information in the, that's ever been or will ever be, it's just like in this huge celestial vault that's just waiting. To, it's like a library of knowledge that's just waiting to be accessed. So it's like theoretically, if that's true, anybody can tap into that. Like, like why did Einstein come up with what he did like they said he would like stare out he was like a working at some place and he would just stare out at a street light at night and that's where a lot of that stuff came from is he was just staring and sometimes like Nostradamus would stare into a bowl of water I guess they call that scrying and so I but I my theory is that when you let your mind you kind of like empty your mind it's like that must be the way surfers feel when they catch like really gnarlodacious blue curl or like when you get in that Zen state where your mind is completely empty, but that's like maybe the purest and cleanest you can think where it's just like, cause I used to do that. I'd go down to the skate park and ride my bike at night or early in the morning when nobody's there. And I just have free run of the place. It was so, so clean. Like I would, you know, just, and I would just be lost in motion. And as I was like riding around and, and stuff, like my mind was so, I was thinking about everything all at once. And I was thinking about nothing and it was just really cathartic and, like that Zen state, like that's why I've noticed too. Sometimes like when I smoke like really good weed, I hardly, I don't smoke much anymore, but when I did, like I would get just the right level and I'd be like, there it is. And I would feel awesome. And I could be doing whatever, like playing a video game, like doing my laundry, whatever. And like I was doing whatever I was doing, but my mind was elsewhere. And so I don't know, is there like, what they call that a flow state where you're just Mm -hmm. like all alpha waves. I wish there was a way to just like tap into that like a switch yeah. and without drugs or just something where it's just like meditational. But, or... but I also think every like everybody kind of reaches that differently. Everybody mm-hmm. has a different way, you know, your happy place. Yeah. Like everybody has a different way of getting to that. Right. So um, it, it's on a personal, like person to person basis, I think. Um, real quick, I just want to make sure we hit some bullet points. Uh, you You've alluded a little bit throughout the conversation about... Um, past uh your sobriety and stuff like right. that if you're willing to talk about that sure. uh kind of just take me through a little bit of that like what brought you to that point you know and, um, and how that and how that journey's been for you okay well it's, uh when i was younger really all i wanted to do was smoke weed like i probably started about like 13 actually the first time i smoked weed i didn't like it it was too much i couldn't handle like i couldn't handle i didn't like it but then probably around 14 15 my homeboy would just show up at my house on Saturday with a bag of the bomb red hair, and it was just so stunning. I remember, like, we'd smoke, and he would just keep loading bowl after bowl, and we'd smoke out of a can, and we would get so freaking high that, like, I remember one time we ate an entire box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and it was delicious. And then <laughs> one time we were at this dude's house partying, and we, we were, like, uh, they'd, like, take a joint in reverse, blow it, and so it was like a cup full of smoke with a cover over it, and then you would drink the smoke. And we got so high that, like, the dude threw us out of his house. All I remember about that day is that we kept playing this one Beastie Boys song over, and it was like the, roo, roo, roo. It's like, <laughs> and then I just remember that beat, and the dude, like, we, me and my friend were getting so ready. He's like, dude, you two out. Get the fuck out. And so it was only about five, six blocks to where his dad worked, and I remember that six blocks. It felt like an eternity. It couldn't have been more than 20 minutes, half hour, but it was... And so, like, yeah, I really enjoyed smoking weed for a long time, and weed was always my thing, power flower, you know, and I was all about it. And then I would say up till I was about 
I don't know. Okay, well, okay. I don't want to. On 11, 11, 11, I was standing outside of the Crystal Lounge talking to somebody, and some dude I didn't know, like, hit me from behind. And that's a whole long story. I ended up having a broken jaw. I, don't, I didn't even know who the dude was. It was ridiculous. It's like a complete stranger. It's like, who does that? Like, yeah. It'd be different if I, like, you Well, know, I mean, downtown... Billings. Yeah, I guess that's not overly surprising. But. I mean, you know, I just it really it was a weird thing, and I had my jaw wired shut. Oh shit! And I well, I talk about I've got a song called Eleven 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 that I think it'll explain everything there. So rather than go into all that, and so anyways, I had my jaw wired shut for forty days, and I would try to smoke weed, and I it didn't help because all I could think about was food, and it would give me the worst munchies of ever, and you couldn't eat anything because it was like this. So you had to drink. drink whey protein for 40 days. It was pretty rough. I mean, it tastes fine, but after about like day six, you're like, God, I would kill for a burrito or just or something a, like enchilada, pizza, anything. I once even tried to like blend uh, like an enchilada with milk. It was just all it did was get stuck in the thing. No. But, and so two things real quick is when I had my jaw wired shut, I was not able to smoke weed, so that's ironically when I started drinking. Like, I had Captain Morgan's, and I would drink, and it would take the edge off, and I'd feel better. And it, when my drinking, it started real simple. I was never really a big drinker. We'd drink beer and get faded. It was nothing. Didn't think about it. It was never really my thing. And then when I had my jaw broke, I started pretty drinking to just get through, and it started simple enough just till I had a buzz. And how also how this correlates is when I started doing music, I always wanted to sing, but I was too afraid to or didn't think I could. So I would try to sing, but I just didn't think it was good because I just just didn't think. So I would only scream. Like the when I really first started singing, it was like corn, uh, coal chamber, mud vein, slipknot, seven dust, like all these heavy bands and just a ton of stuff like that. And then rap was a huge thing. I was huge into rap, especially gangster rap. And so that was all I did. And so when this happened, I was at a weird place in my life. I wasn't in a band. I wasn't really making music. I had musical ideas, but I wasn't really doing any of that kind of stuff. And I wanted to, and I missed it. And uh, so when I had my jaw broke, I don't know what it was. Like I was at this really low point and the song back to December uh, came on TV and that song. I don't know what it was. I was at a low point. I was going through some stuff and I, that video freaking changed my life. Like like, I'll put it out there right now. I'm a diehard, hardcore, Swifty, Taylor Nation all day. Love Taylor. Um, she's actually one of my heroes. And it's a lot of people are like, dude, you do the music you do. And that. And here's what happened is I had my jaw wired shut. And I was getting a drinking problem. And what I would do is I would uh, sing with my guitar. I can't play guitar very good. I'm Like, I can play, like, stuff like that. But I don't know, like, notes and rhythm. Or I just... So I would sit there and play try to play along and sing Taylor songs, like especially the album Speak Now. But so I would just go over that whole album as if I was like, and then and I learned how to sing like, uh, uh, oh. And so I learned how to sing that and other country songs. I went through this huge country phase because I was just tired of metal. I was tired of rap and country was a huge thing. And then I was like, maybe I can be reborn as like a dance pop icon. And I always toyed with that idea. And I'm like, no, I'm too ugly. I'm too stupid. I'm not a good dancer. I'm poor. I, I'm not what you call attractive. I'm not what they want. And I was just like, okay, but it, the idea was always there. And so, uh, I was really in this huge country face. And also the song, the truth by Jason Aldean was a life changer for me. Like I heard it one night I was drunk, coked out, sitting by a fire pit at the rock pile and I was going to go in there and gamble and I had a broken jaw and I was just sitting there just hating life 
And I was just like, man, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And I smoked a little bit of weed and I was sitting at that fire pit and I'm like, man, I shouldn't be gambling. I have like $80 to my name. And I was sitting at the fire pit and that song, The Truth by Jason Aldean came on and it just, I was like, just resonated total epiphany i'm like this is the best thing i've ever heard and uh like just today i heard a song called my heart is like a truck by this gal laney wilson i forget her name but yeah i just listened to awesome uh, i just listened to a whole podcast with her blew my mind and i'm like this is i love that kind of music because like a lot of people are surprised because I, I i figure i'm pretty urban but we live in montana and i'm trying to see more of that aspect of all the great stuff about my tech. Cause I never leave the city. Like I'm always in the city and I love country music. I love all music, but I really like country music. I like pop. I like, I like everything. I don't want to limit myself. So I learned how to sing that night at that fire pit. And I was like suicidal at that point. Like I was hating life. I was not in a good place and like drinking helped a little bit. I thought it did. And then I remember I heard that song. I was like, I'm going to go home and work on music. And that's when I started singing country through, like, tell them all that I've gone crazy, you know, stuff like that. And that's how I learned how to, like, sing, sing was through gritted teeth. And I always said to myself, as soon as I get this off, I'm going hard at this, and I'm going to learn how to sing better. And I've never really taken vocal lessons. I just, like, you know, sang along to music. I've spent thousands of hours. I'll draw, like, a little circle on a piece of paper and put it on my wall, and I'll sing to that. Um and so that was kind of like where all this really, really started for me. I'd, I'd been doing the metal, I'd been doing the hardcore, I'd been doing the punk, I'd been doing the gangster rap and all that. And that was great, and we did that, and I don't regret any of it, um, but I just feel like everything you do, you kind of carry with you. It's kind of like a, a either a medal or a scar or like a scout badge, so it's all of it comes together. And so doing that, so ironically, and I was really mad at the dude for hitting me. I was like, man, if I ever find that guy, I'm going to kill him. And I just thought about it, and I had to like give it to God. I was just like, Lord, I can't carry this anymore. I'm afraid I might hurt somebody. And then, you know, what if he has a gun? Or what if I kill him? Or what if I hurt him so bad that I end up going to prison? And it's just like, I don't want any of that. I'm like, Lord, what do I do? And he's like, just give it to me. And I'm like, how? He's like, just give it to me. And so I was like, all right, Lord, I can't carry this. And it's... And so now from then to that point where I was like, if I ever saw that dude, I'd kill him. And now I'm like, if I saw him, hopefully he'll be smart enough to be like, remember me. You don't, I, <laughs> I can let it go. If he messes with me again, I don't know what I would do. But it, honestly, I've grown enough in my faith and as a person to be like, I don't need to seek revenge. Revenge belongs to the Lord. And so, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place here. Uh, now, I would thank him. I'd be like, dude, like that was one of those just such a shitty, terrible thing to do to somebody. Just such a random thing. Um, and I almost choked on my own blood that night. Like Jesus. I went home and I just, because I've been beat up a million times. I just sleep it off. I shake it off like a pit bull. Like, you know. But you, probably, you didn't realize how I didn't realize. Severe. Yeah. I mean, I knew I tasted blood and that sucked. But I'm like, oh, I'll just sleep it off and we'll start over tomorrow. And ironically, I was going back that night to go settle that settle the score with that guy and a bouncer saw a look in my he's like dude i don't know who did what to you or i know that look whatever you're thinking about doing don't do it and i told him what happened he's like dude i don't i didn't see that guy in there he probably took off but whatever you do just don't do it like i've seen this a million times the cops show up they don't care what happened just just go home just go home dude and i did smartest thing i ever did went home went through it all had my jaw wired shut got through it learned how to sing kind of <laughs> in your own way though in like my own way I mean, I'm not professionally trained or anything. Like, I, I, you know how I learned? How? Karaoke. 
Well, yeah, you know, and they say that art is not so much technique as it is passion. So I think all art is based on loving it and passion and being enthusiastic and excited about it. Oh, if you love it enough, you'll find your way. And then, yeah, you'll develop a technique. Which is the most unique way because then you don't sound like anybody else. You sound like you. That, you, you, you have a better way of finding your own voice. It has taken me so many years of imitating in other people that I loved, like, like... When I was singing Taylor, I tried to sing sound like her, but then I'm like, oh, but I'm not her. And That's not, so I'm not just in thinking that about this is kind of like hard. Like I can still taste that blood in my mouth. And like, honestly, instead of like getting sad about her, being like, oh, poor me. I'm like, no, this was a blessing in disguise. It made me way stronger. It brought me to my faith. I honestly think the enemy was trying to destroy my faith that night and quite the opposite. It just made my faith stronger. It was a stronger. test. Absolutely. And I think that I came out the other end of that better for it. Like I would sing Taylor, I would sing country and uh, it's just opened so many doors and I feel like the music I'm going to make now, yes, there's always going to be heavier stuff with a hard edge, but I try to do all the emotions. Like when I'm angry, I do angry music. When I'm happy, I do happy music. When I'm silly, I do silly music. When I do sad music, sad music. And so I just try to cover every color of the spectrum. And so I guess long story short is and this actually circles back to what you're saying about sobriety. So I had a really bad drinking problem and I would drink a little bit and then smoke a bunch of weed and go sing country or Taylor or whatever was on the radio. I just put on the radio and sing along to it. And I have tons of CDs. I would just sing, you know, everything, everything, you know, everything. Um, and so that was how, what my musical training was, was just basically, you know, uh, imitating the people that I loved, trying to sing with them. And so I always thought that you had to be high or, have a nice buzz going because I would just drink enough till I got that warmness in my stomach and I'd smoke a bunch of weed and I would sing for hours or like I would just like everywhere I would walk I would just freestyle for hours and uh so I guess kind of what you're saying is the struggles with my sobriety is that was kind of I think where the drinking really started for me was when that happened and this went on for years and I kept doing music I got creative again was doing music didn't uh but unbeknownst to me is I was drinking all the time and I didn't see it as a problem. It was just something fun to do. It was something I look forward to. I'd go probably to probably became habitual. And it started off simple enough, like a few shots, smoke a little bit of weed, and then I did this thing where I wanted to see where I worked at, I wanted to just go outside and smoke weed, but it was a really busy place downtown and there was always people coming. I was so afraid of getting caught smoking weed that I was just like and there'd be cops everywhere. And I was like, Man, I don't want to lose my job or get arrested or whatever. And so like Eventually, I was like, all right, I'm just going to see if I can do this without smoking weed. So I challenged myself to see if I could go without getting high all the time. And before you know it, over the course of time, it was just, turns out it was really easy. Like, at first it wasn't, but then in time, it was just like, I don't have to be high all the time. I mean, sometimes you want to be, and that's fine. You know, if it works for you, if it helps you, because a lot of people don't want to take pills, but if you smoke a dube or whatever and take a couple hits, smoke a bowl, and you're feeling good, hey, if that works for you, it's legal now. And I'm pretty sure that's why it's here in the first place. Um... So anyways, I challenged myself to stop smoking weed, but then I'd still smoke at night and then I would come home and I would get my fade on, I would get buzzed and then it just got weirder and weirder and weirder to the point where I was drinking like almost every day and I didn't really think about it until like I realized that like bad stuff kept happening to me like just like oh my god, I couldn't even there's it would long story short is it got to a point where I realized, holy crap, this is out of control. Like, I got to stop this. And then I would stop for a little bit. 
but then I'd keep drinking. Or whenever I would lose a job or go through a breakup or something hard would happen or I'd lose someone and then I would drink to deal with that pain. Kind Cope of, with it. Trying to like mitigate the mm-hmm, damage mm-hmm. Or, or escape it. And that went on for a long time. And I realized that this is not the right way to handle it. Like this is, I'm running from my problems. And it came to a point, honestly, I think like at the start of 2019, I got sober for about like the first four and a half months. Then I lost the job I had and I was cool for about two weeks. And then I had a little bit. And then before you know it, it was on again until like September. Then I got a new job. Then I got better for a little bit. And when I had the job, I was okay. Um, then when COVID hit, I was cool for like about a week or two. And then before you know it, I was drinking every day again. Like, and I'm not talking just a couple of, I'm talking like I would drink till I blacked out and there would be like food next morning in the microwave. That was like, I'm like, Oh geez, I I would cook food, but I wouldn't eat it. Hmm. And then I would wake up with such a bad hangover that I'd have to keep drinking. I call it werewolfing. (laughs) <laughs> um, and then that just went on for a long time. And then I got a job. I was doing really good for a long time. Then I lost that job, relapsed again. So, uh, I think what it is, is I just, I take things really hard. Like, uh, like I take losses hard and failures hard. And it's like, you spend all this time getting involved with people and meeting new people and trying your best. And then something will happen. And then you take it really hard. And then you like, I tend to implode. Like if I don't have a sense of purpose or like, goals or like structure to my life, I really tend to like fall apart. So that's why I have to really keep, um, focused. And so I guess to answer your initial question, I'm sorry. No, no, you're, I, I uh, mean, it's, it's all, I'm all over the road, like Easton Corbin. Um, th- I've noticed that like this year, uh, when I stopped working at the double tree, that was a really hard thing for me. That really hurt me deeply. And I was like, at first for a couple of weeks, I was fine. I was just going about my life. I'm like, it's fine. I'll get another job. It's no big deal. I'll be fine. But then, uh, I don't know, for some reason I kept putting it off and I was just like, kept thinking, well, maybe they'll hire me back. We'll figure it out. And that never worked out or materialized. I had a lot of really cool friends there that were all pulling for me. They're like, yeah, we'll talk to them. They just wouldn't do it. Whatever. I don't really fit into the corporate structure. Well, I try, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I look at it like I'm a wild animal. I'm from the jungle. Like I try to be a part of their world. I want to be a part of their world, but I just, at the end of the day, you're still a tiger. You can take the tiger out of the jungle, but you're still a tiger. And so long story short, that didn't work out, but I, but you didn't, did you, you didn't fall back on the, on, on the alcohol being a, or did you? Well, here's what happened is. I was, this happened, I lost my job right around Halloween-ish in 2021, and then I was cool for about a month, wasn't drinking, wasn't doing nothing, and then, I don't know, probably around Thanksgiving was a hard time, Uh, I was alone, and I didn't have any structure, and I was running low on dough, so long story short, I was like, well, I'll just have a little drink, and sure as shit, and before you know it, I was drinking every day, I don't remember, I don't remember anything from, like, December of 21 to like May or June of 22, whatever last year was, what it's 23 now. So yeah, like for like six months, like I was just lost. And then I was like, okay, I got to stop. So I went, kept going. And it's just like, even though I was trying to quit drinking, I was just like, okay, I'm going to lay off. I'd stop for a couple of days and then I'd be back at it. 
And then I'd stop for a couple of days. I'd be back at it and I'd feel worse and worse. And every time it would be more and more and more. And then like my dog died and lost some family members and a lot of things. And I was just going through a rough patch and I just was trying to hide and run from that. And then uh, I think it was probably in like July, late July, I got to a point where I was drinking so much. Like, you know, those big liters of vodka, uh, I could go through a whole one of those in about a day and a half. Shit. And there would like I would go to the liquor store and I can fill as I know my backpack, I can fit seven liters of that really shitty potter's vodka in my backpack. And so I would be going there almost every two weeks and I was just burning through my savings and it was just it was getting to a point where I was like, shit, I'm committing slow suicide. Like uh and so I was really like I kept praying, I'm like, God, what am I doing? What just either let me get better or let's just be done with it. And I've actually, that's a whole nother thing. I've suicide. It's, it's not, I mean, I can understand if you're dying of cancer and you're terminal and there's no hope, then, you know, you just want an easy way out. And some people are suffering so bad and you don't know how to deal with your pain. And you're just like, let it be over with. And I was like at that point where I was about ready. I can't tell you how many times sat with a gun in my mouth. I'm like, just do it. I just do it. And I'm ready to do it. And I'm ready to leave. And I'm like, I'm done with this. I don't care what happens. And then I think about all the people I care about. I don't want to go out like that. I don't want that to be my legacy. I'm like, but I don't think I can do it. I'm a failure. I'm never going to be anything. <laughs> so I mean, that's like, the, that's the struggle that they all have. Yeah. It's just the choice of whether to, to do it or not. And, it, and ultimately once you, I mean, they say a hundred, like almost a hundred percent of suicide survivors, uh, regret that or they they are glad that it didn't work out yeah yeah i i can that's like a whole nother story but i no and i just i want to say to anybody out there that's listening or that's struggling with that like whatever you're thinking don't do it there is a light at the end of the tunnel you just got to get through the dark part you can things can get better um and it's just like we can't run from our problems we have to face them head on it's just like imagine our problems is like dogs and cats or wolves chasing us and we're running from, we're running from, but sooner or later you got to stop and let it overtake you and then you got to face it. And ironically, once you do that, it's, there's catharsis in it. It's like a little death and then you're reborn. And so what got me sober was I would wake up in the morning so bad. Like I would literally try to drink myself to death. Like it's weird that I'm admitting this, but like I would literally drink so much that like I was already faded. I'm like, just keep, and I just, there's other stuff too. And so I would wake up in the morning. I'm like, why am I still alive? So I keep drinking. And then I remember it started taking its toll on my body. Like my body just was like, basically telling me, it's like, yeah, you're done. You're like this close to the edge. And then I was just like, fuck, I know I'm fucking up. I, I want to stop this. And then, so I would sit on my front yard, just praying to God after like a really bad bender, be like, how do I stop this? How do I stop this? And God basically, it, it's not like I'm hearing voices, but he just made it clear to me. God made it clear to me. He's like, give it to me. Just like that thing with the anger and the hate and all the vengeance. And, and I was just like, well, how? He's like, just give it to me. He's like, just stop. I was like, I, God said to me, he's like, if you do your part and do what's possible, I can do the impossible, but you got to trust me. It's like that leap of faith in Indiana Jones and the last crusade. You're looking down there. You're like, no fucking way. I'm going to jump down there. I'll fall to my death. And, and it's, that's the leap of faith. And if you take it, you're like, oh crap, I'm okay. And, so yeah, like towards the end of July of 2022, uh, I made these choices. I was like, okay, I'm really going to do this. I'm really going to do this. Like I need to do my part. Like I need to stop making excuses. I need to face these things. And so, uh, a friend of mine, he's like, he's like, dude, you need to get a job. I'm like, I know, but I got to get sober first. And so as I was working on that, uh, a friend of mine came by and he's like, yeah, they're, uh, 
having some blues fest down at Metro Park. They're paying like 19 an hour. Um, so if you want to like go make some money tonight, and I needed the money real bad. He's like, go check it out. And at first I was like, ah, no, I don't want to do that. It's it's too temporary. That's not enough. I need something full time. But then God was just like, what are you running from? You need money now. Go do it. And I'm like, all right. Well, opportunity arises and opens the doors. That night that the dude brought me that information to do it, um, I was really, I had been sober for several days and I was like, okay, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And then I had the temptation to drink. I was like, man, I really want to drink really bad. And I was like, so it was basically life and death right there. I was just like, if I drink, I'm not going to go to that thing. I'm going to miss that. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to be in the same boat I am. I might die and nothing will change. And then the other God was just like, uh, why don't you go check it out? Do it. You know, not to drink. And so basically I was like, okay, okay, no, I'm going to try it. And I did, I showed up, uh, didn't know anybody there. Didn't know anything. I just showed up. I'm like, talk to the main guy. I'm like, Hey, I want to work. And he just put me to work and I've been working there since. And I've been <laughs> sober since I guess August of 2022. And I'm not going to lie. I've had a few relapses. Like I'll go a couple months and I'm like, you've been good. And it only happens when I have nothing on the horizon, when I don't have, it's those days where, cause I try to keep my, my calendar. There's always something like every day there's something or multiple things like, like, like just today, Dakota's podcast, uh, uh, work, uh, uh, perform whatever it is uh library right whatever and so as long as i have something goals and i think that's super helpful to anybody that's struggling with sobriety is it's true what they say idle hands are the devil's playground so if you really want to get sober you just got to structure your time better and spend it doing things whatever it is that you love you know whatever your hobbies are spend more time with your family educate yourself you know maybe take some classes get a second job uh, spend more time with friends, just be creative. Mental like, health in general, like just absolutely. people dealing with any kind of mental health uh, issues that, that they just feel like there's no mm-hmm. positives or there's no like good in the world or there's, mm-hmm. you know, anything that like bogs you down or makes you feel bad. Yeah. Just yeah. to stay busy, to stay yep. active, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. whatever, like you said, hobbies, whatever. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you said is kind of keeping you is Absolutely. is maintaining your your channel, mm-hmm. putting out content, mm-hmm. you know. Because and like you said, you've done like comedy, mm-hmm. uh, music. You got all kinds of of uh, things going all at once. You know, you're, you're dipping yeah. your toes in a lot of different waters. And it's really been helpful. Like, uh, well, and it, and it's okay when I was in that film, we burn like this. Shout out to Alana Waxman and Pink Phoenix Films. Everybody should see the film We Burn Like This. Not because of me. It's just a really good movie. And they did a movie here in Billings. So how awesome is that? Yeah. And so I remember that day I was really nervous. Like when they gave me the callback, they were like, yeah, we want you to come. And we were filming at the Lazy KT Motel. I remember I was super excited at first. And then all of a sudden I got all scared and I was like all super nervous and self-conscious. I'm like, oh crap, dude. And it's just every single insecurity. I had about a week or two before the filming. And I remember that day. I was going to do that thing where you, (laughs) uh, Montana mineral water, um, where you take (laughs) vodka and you fill up an entire thing full of water and it's clear. So nobody can really tell the smell though. There's a smell. Mm -hmm. And so you can be, and I was like going to do that because I was so nervous. And I remember that day I had the opportunity to do that. And I thought, no, that's super unprofessional. Don't do that. Like you're going to get kicked off the set. You're going to look like an idiot. You'll never work in this town again. And I was like, so I didn't. 
and I stayed sober. We went and did it, uh, and it was awesome. It was amazing, and I'd love to do more film. And um, it's just nice to try different things. Yeah, and, especially in the creative world. Yeah, I I figure try everything, learn as much as you can, and you never know what's gonna stick. Like you could start off doing music and end up a filmmaker or start off doing film, end up in comedy, start off in comedy, end up in acting. Exactly. And, and I just like, I'm always working on something like I love art and all its forms. I love writing is super fun and just challenging. And Oh my God, there's this new algorithm. I don't mean to get off topic, but there's this thing. I think it's called chat GPT where it's AI. So you can basically yeah, yeah. be like, uh, give me a mini series about medieval times and the thing will write it for you. And like a friend of mine just showed me that today. Shout out to my friend, Damon Michael. Uh, he's got a podcast called House of Content. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. He's, he's a good dude. I just worked with him today. I'll probably see him later tonight. Uh, he showed me that thing and it just blew my mind so much. I'm like, what the F? Like, holy crap. Like, that is such a cheat for writing that. But, but then, you know, it. like how awesome is that? Like throughout the... I can't tell you how many times I've been working on a project, just staring at a blank page, being like, how am I going to connect this to this? Or how does this going to work out? And I'm just sitting there staring at a blank page. Like, how is this going to racking my brain for hours to a point where like, I just spent six hours thinking my absolute hardest and I got nothing. So I have to give up on it. And one thing I will recommend to all writers is when you get that block, that writer's block, go for a walk, walk your dogs, go do something else. Or look out a window or work out. Just anything to get your mind off of it. And once you get your mind off of it, it'll still be in the back of your mind, whatever you're doing. And then it'll just come to you. Mm -hmm. Like, And so that's... The, and that's kind of what I was saying before about ideas. I think mm -hmm. they just... When you have writer's block, yeah. you're just not harnessing that. And right. once you get back to that frequency, then they start coming to you again. See, I think that's true. I or, think there is a frequency. Also, maybe ideas are meant to come into the world or, or think, certain things are meant to come in the world and they're not always meant to come all at once. Yeah. You know? So yeah. so you get so much of a song written, and then you're like, ah, oh, but I, I'm missing something here. Mm -hmm. And then it might come to you hours later, days later, but yeah. you're like, that's it. And then it's like, it was meant to be this way. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think sometimes those things just kind of happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like, it's meant to come into the world now. Not all mm -hmm. at once, but... Well, and it's like that saying, a watched kettle never boils. Mm -hmm. So I think, and, and and we must always learn that impatience, just it doesn't, impatience, there's really no upside to it, but there's nothing but upside to patience. The only possible downside to patience is if you wait too long, you might miss your opportunity. That would be the downside. But other than that, I can't think of any situation where patience patience isn't the better way, whether it's in a relationship, raising your children, dealing which is anything like patience is a virtue. And it's just like, I, I pray for that a lot. Like I, I pretty much spend like, like half my day or more walking in prayer, like being like, God, what do you think? Am I wrong? Am I right? Cause I second guess every single thing I do. Like, um, it, a lot of times when people see me on stage, they're like, Oh wow. It seems like it comes really naturally to you. And you seem to have a lot of fun up there. And I do, but there's usually so many layers of thought put into it before I go up there. Like, like, so I usually think I'm like, oh, what am I going to wear? Or like, oh, yeah, because I do this war paint. Everybody's been giving me guff about they're like, what's up with the war paint? And um, to me, honestly, I guess it's. I got the idea from an anime called okay. Battle Angel Alita, mm -hmm. like one of her friends was fallen and she does this thing where like her friend is dead and then she just like 
wipes her butt on her. I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so I've always had that in my head, and I've always wanted to do that. And back when I was cheating, when I would do, like, war paint, because I have problematic skin, which has always been something I've been really insecure about. But I, you have to accept love for your... If you love yourself for who you are as you really are, then you'll be all right. And I, it's like, you know, I mean, do I wish I had clear skin? Yeah. You know, do I wish I was more buff? You bet. But, and so I just, I kind of like, I took a page out of like, I, I see people like Lizzo, like she's, she's a bigger gal, but she loves herself and she rocks it and she's beautiful. And I think that's confidence. I, yeah. And I think that's really sexy. And it's like, I've take, taken a lot of pages out of people like that's book where I think that's great. And it's like, if you love yourself where you are. And so I'm trying to get to that point. Cause I never did. I never did. I was always so anti myself. And so a big part of why I wear the war paint is I feel like having cool facial hair or weird hair is a distraction. But then at the end of the day, I have to deal with it. So like when I, for so long, when I looked in the mirror, I would see like a tiger face and I guess that's disassociative, but it helped me. And so, yeah, I don't like my skin condition as it is, but we all got stuff we got to get through and we got to learn to like love ourselves for who we are. And, and it's just one of those things where it's just like, well, I can't really do anything to change it. So I'm going to make the best of it. So that's why I wear that war paint. And it's like, um, and you're going to see as I progress down this journey, I'm going to have weirder makeup. There might be times I'm going up and stage almost in full on drag doing like hardcore, like anybody that like, I don't know if you've seen it, but on spirit squad channel or, I did I'm Broken by Pantera. Nice. I'm a huge Pantera fan, and I just so I wanted to do that song, but I was like, what can I do that makes it extra interesting? And then I was just like, okay, I'll go up there in a pink wig wearing a pink Cher t-shirt. And I was like, it was it was freaking awesome. Like, I was really nervous about it. I'm like, dude, I'm going to get stomped. But then I'm like, dude, you know what? Let them then. Let yeah. Because it's like, I feel like I have always felt that you got Just gotta, don't get your jaw broken again. Yeah, I mean, that's preferably the goal. And I do, I just the other day, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I really go after it. I just really try whatever comes to mind. And I like that as being an artist I, uh, that's exciting and interesting and intriguing to me. And I want to be that artist. That well, a lot are, of people don't do that. And it, well, because it's, it's really easy to play it safe. And there's a lot of wisdom in that, you know. But then at the same time, I think like, I'm not You miss a lot of chances too. Well, and I've made all different kinds of music the course of my life and I always tried to do what I thought they what they would tell me or what I thought would work and I'm like I was always trying to like and so I just came to my conclusion I'm like I'm gonna make the art I want to make of course I want to be you know beloved and to an extent successful I'm not really doing it for money anymore like it'd be great if money came but I think money would just contaminate everything and confuse me I've been poor my whole life I wouldn't know what to do what would I you know, I'd, I'd be dead within a month. It's like most people, if they won the lottery, it turns your life into a nightmare. Like it's probably cool for like a month and then it's a nightmare. So I feel like if I ever get successful, let it be from hard work and God, here's the fun. Okay. This, uh, what I'm trying to do with seance is like, I always felt there's something, there's like music I want to hear. There's stuff I want to see and I rarely see it. Occasionally I come across a new group that I like, like Spirit Box. I'm really, they're awesome. They're awesome. I love Spirit they're Box. They're super like, cool. I've been waiting for something like that. That was like the only thing I saw at the Grammys that I thought wasn't total BS. Yeah. And I was just like, I saw them, I was like. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. And I just found out about them recently. Really? Like, yeah, I just, same too. So same good. Too. So good. They're they're going to, they're definitely going places. Um, um, And so there's something, I want something that I can't find. And I have all this music and I have all this access to music. 
and I see cool stuff here, there, this, that, this, that. But then I'm like, I realize I'm like, okay, well, it's like that saying, you must be the change you wish to see. So it's just like, I'm hoping I can fill that void. And even if I am considered a freak or that weird satanic tranny screamo gang rapper or whatever, people are going to say what they're going to say. But anybody that knows me knows I'm a good person. I care about people. All I want to do is make things better and help people. And just, I'm blessed to be a blessing. So no matter how weird my stuff is or how crazy or out there it gets, A, it's just entertainment. I look at it as theater. And at the end of the day, it's for a good cause. Like I am working on an album with several different people. It's going to be called Arsonist. And uh, I was thinking to myself, I was actually ironically shoveling out horse stalls at the Metro on like a hundred degree day. And I was just sitting there. I'm like, man, I'm glad to have a job and I like working here. I like everybody to work with. I love these people. But I'm wondering myself, how long can I do this? This is really physical work. And I'm like, how long can this go on? And I'm like, well, maybe your art will take off. And I'm like, well, that's cool, but I don't want to like do it for money because then once you start doing it for money, you have to like dilute it and do what they tell you. Like, that's my biggest fear. It's like, that'd be cool to get like a million dollar deal from some label. Then I don't have to worry about money anymore. But then they're like, okay, we want this. You can't say that. You can't do that. And Well, we also live in a prime time for self uh, independent. Yeah, it is. It's like the prime time for that to be self-promoted and yeah. do your own thing, have your own label, just Total. like like the SoundCloud rapper thing, you know. Right. I mean, it's it's only gotten bigger from there. I have been thinking about that a lot and I mean, I figure even if I was just like a little flash in the pan novelty, if I could just make enough money to survive off of, that would be great. But I love music so much that no matter how much style I have, if it doesn't have substance, it's just empty calories it's like fast food my biggest thing is doing it for just for legacy almost or just just it's not really for to get famous or money or anything it's just to have something to leave behind yeah something that people can listen to and and it can Mm -hmm. maybe have some effect on somebody totally in some way shape or form well and you're contributing to the culture and i think isn't art the most honest you can be Mm -hmm. it's like when someone laughs or when they cry that's like literally them being 100 and it's where I'm trying to get to, like, like I said, for so long, I tried to do what I thought they wanted me to say, oh, they're going to like this, or oh, this will be bad, or oh, I'll be so badass, oh, people can think I'm so, whatever. And then now I'm realizing, I'm like, I just want to go up there and just bare my soul. And like, no holds barred, probably almost to the realm of TMI. But to me, that's entertaining. I love artists that hold nothing back. Like, I would rather be loved Actually, no, I would rather be hated for being who I really am than loved for being something I'm not. Of course, I'd rather be loved because, like, I look at Taylor, I watch, I study her. Like, like she is such an amazing songwriter and such an amazing person, and, like, her shows are amazing. Like, I would love to take it to that level where I can entertain a crowd, an arena full of people, and have them, like they're singing every word and they're like crying, but like tears of joy. Like I would love that. Yeah. I mean, that moving would, them, that would be, you know, scary, but wonderful at the same time. And so I figure I've been underground for so long and there's nothing. I love the underground. My heart will always be with the underground and the independence because those are the people that are really doing it. They're saying what they want to say. They're doing it their way. And my heart will always be with them. But then I always wondered, I kind of feel like Kurt Cobain, like you struggle in obscurity for so long that it's like, you know what, I'm going to take this underground shit overground as hard as I can. Like kind of like Marilyn Manson said, he's like, I am above ground and out selling it. 
you know, and I, it's again, not about the money. And so I'm hoping I can create something that a people like, like, cause I set the bar really high and it's just like, it's either really good or I don't want to do it. Cause I could easily churn out album after album of drivel. Like, that's why I'm, I'm kind of like moving a little bit away from the rap stuff. Cause I feel like, what haven't I said? What haven't I done? And then how do I be true to myself? And I recently had an epiphany. It's like, I'm going to rap about the things I really want to talk about. Um, video games, uh, life, um, funny stuff. Like, here's an example of a rhyme. This was, I was doing this song. I, I hijacked uh, Chris Brown's Look At Me Now because I really liked the beat and it was a good song. And I was like, I just hijacked the song and I wrote my own lyrics to it and it was really fun. So I'm going to hijack a lot more songs in the future. And so one of the lines is, uh, somewhere in Georgia, outside of Macon, bought a prize pig, I call him Kevin Bacon. And I was just like, that, that is what I want to do. It's silly. It's funny. It's ridiculous. It doesn't have to make sense. Um, and of course I want to do like, you know, narrative storytelling and real life song. I'm going to do a little bit of everything. Well, and that's good too. And it's good that you listen to other genres and stuff and kind of take from different mm -hmm. places. Cause then you can just create something completely unique in it itself. Kind of like cherry picking. Cause I've really been inspired by like people like jelly roll how like oh he's he, a stud he can do rap he can do country i really like his country he's, like that dude is a boss and i just love any artist that stays true to their vision like like don't do it for money the best advice i've ever gotten from any musician was they were like don't do music to get rich and famous do music for the right reasons do it because you love it and be willing to live in a van be willing to be uncomfortable out on the road be willing to be on the road nine months a year do it because you love it and if you're doing it for the right reasons then you're going to love what you're doing and so that's been such a help to me because when i started out i thought cash jewels whips hoes you know and i was just so blinded i was so dumb like i think most artists see that at some point mm -hmm. and it's you know everybody struggles with that when they're in the entertainment industry well and you know what i think even if you got that stuff like you probably feel it cool at first be like yo i got nice clothes i got nice cars and i got nice jewelry and i'm hanging out with these really beautiful women and then you got to ask yourself well who am i trying to impress yeah like because you can't really impress other rich people because they're like oh you have a lamborghini well i have one that's even more exclusive oh you have an armani suit well this isn't even released in america and so it's just like and you're not impressed and you're not impressing non-rich people because yeah it's almost like you're rubbing their noses in it yep like, like i all my life when I was a kid, I wanted Air Jordans, mm. like especially the 92 Dream Team ones, the awesome ones. And I would be like, Mom, can we get the Jordan? She's like, no. And I'm like, the the day I pay $100 for sneakers is the day you get a job. And I was like a little kid. And then I was like, Mom, why can't I get Jordans? She's like, you get yourself killed for that. And honestly, in Illinois, yeah, they will murder that ass for a pair of Jordans. Even if, Irony being, even if they don't fit. And it's just so weird to like, because, you know, having something nice like that, like how somebody... Because I've been robbed before. It's a real violation. Like, and it happens so fast that you're just like, holy fucking shit. Like, and then it's a violation. And then you're like, what, what the fuck? And so, um, long story short is I never got to have Jordans when I was growing up. We were pretty good. They used to call me Kmart shoes and Salvation <laughs> Army boy. And at the time it really hurt bad because I, I grew up poor. I didn't know we were poor. Oh, dude, I, same here. And same I, here. it was never a thing to me. I was just like, hey, I'm just living my life. And then I went to a different school that was kind of more, I want to say more upper class, but it was like maybe we were the poor kids at the school I was going to at North Park. And then I went to McKinley and there was like a real culture shock for me. I was like, and that's when it really started. 
And then I started getting a complex because I never thought about that stuff. I never really, I was just like, I'm happy with whatever. I'm happy to have shoes. Um, I'm happy with my Spider-Man t-shirt. Um, and so, uh, I, not too long ago, I've been working a lot. I've just been working, working, working. And, uh, so I eventually, you know, bought myself a pair of Jordans and I really liked them. They're super cool. They're almost so cool to the point that I would just like put them on my wall and just look at them like, ah, like, like finally, total like. It's just the way Jay Leno must feel about his cars. That's why I feel like, like you'll see these like episodes of Cribs, like these rap dudes got all these crazy sneakers, and I'm like, I totally get that. It's like cars for your feet. And so I have these Jordans, and I've only worn them a couple times while performing, because the first time I wore them, I just thought to myself, this is crazy. Like I'm walking around the ghetto in $150 sneakers, and there's people out there that can't afford to eat, and I felt really guilty about that. And um. It's just weird. So even if I do, God willing, get successful, if I don't, whatever, I, I'm used to being poor, it's fine. I'm going to be fine either way. But this is the epiphany I had when I was shoveling out manure at the, I was like, Lord, how am I going to sell this album? Like, this is Montana, dude. I'd be lucky to do 5,000 units out here, if that. And no matter how popular I am or how many friends I have, I'd be lucky to do 1,000 units. And then I'm like, okay. And then God's like, that's your problem. You're thinking about, what you can get out of it. It's like, what can you give? And then I'm like, well, so don't sell it. Should I just release it for free on the internet? And he's like, make your album. God says, he's like, make your little album. With your... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, just do your best work. Make this arsonist album and then sell it for $13. Cause 13 is my lucky number. Sell it for $13 or whatever. And then donate all the album proceeds to charity. And I'm like, what? And then, but I remember I was like, whoa. And then he's like, your music will prosper because you're doing it for the right reasons. And you're going to help a lot of people. Like I want to help out, um, like the centers for missing and exploited children, uh, something to do with prevention of cruelty to animals. I'd like to do something like, you know, for literacy uh, for to help firefighters get the gear they need, um, just really, uh, just anything that's helpful and really helping people that need it. Because honest to God, like each one of us can do, and that's the whole thing. We didn't really talk about it, but I, I long time ago I started this thing called the Do Something Kind Movement. Uh, it started as a challenge. Like if you go on Spirit Squad Channel R, some of the first videos, it's a DSK dsk thing where we cleaned up somebody like left a bunch of litter out kind of by 17 miles so we went out there sp spent a while cleaning it up and and so it's honestly i'm going to put the word out to dsk right now all you have to do to do a dsk video is go see something like you see some garbage or you see some graffiti clean it up pick up the garbage pick up the dog poo sweep up the glass you see a lost dog uh go find them like try to find their owner so here's how you do a dsk video and I'm going to start doing more of these myself, is you show the thing that's the problem or is problematic, film it, and then you get some shots of you doing whatever, and then you show the end result, and at the end of the video, be like, DSK, and that's a thing, DSK, DSK. So it's like when you hear me being like, what do you claim? I'm like, DSK all day. And so it's the do something kind army. And so each one of us doing these little acts of kindness, I think is going to be super beneficial. And sometimes I'll be doing this stuff and somebody will be like, that's really awesome. And it makes me happy because I'm not doing it to get noticed. I'm just doing it to do it. I've been doing this since like probably like 2005. Like we got this Christmas bonus 
of $25 at the Montana Brewing Company in 2005. And I was like, well, what should I do? I have weed. I, what do I do? And God's like, well, share it with somebody. So I went around on Christmas Eve in 2005, handing out money and giving food to like homeless people. Like there was this group of like seven, I don't want to say bums, but like homeless people, scary guys, really mm-hmm. scary guys straight in the heart of the like North side ghetto, like the North side wasteland. And I was like, man, God put it on my heart. He's like, go give them some donuts, a pack of cigarettes and some money. And I'm like, no, they'll kill me. And he's like, I got you. And so it was a thing where it was kind of like that leap of faith thing again. And so I was like, all right, well, if they kill me, at least I died doing something right with the right reason. So I went up to him. I'm like, hey, are you guys hungry? They're like, yeah. So I gave him the donuts. I'm like, hey, uh, I'm trying to quit smoking. You guys want a pack of cigarettes? They're like, yeah. And then I gave him a couple bucks. And they were just the love, man. Like they were all about it. Just treating somebody with dignity is such a powerful thing. And that is, I think, I remember that felt so awesome. I was like, this is awesome. This is how you fucking change the world. It's like you fight crime with love in by abstaining from non-virtuous actions that is a form of virtuous action. So I was just like, okay, this is... So I do a lot of like street outreach ministry work where I'll just go see some homeless people and I'll give them some food. I'll pray for them. I'll talk to them, give them some couple bucks, like anything I can do to help close. Like if you go on the channel, you'll see that at Christmas... Uh, I went down to the mission. I do this thing called Santa Claus every year. <laughs> nice. It's really funny. And it's fun because I it's uh, I kind of I just dress like a hip-hop Santa. And for some reason, the character has taken on this whole Chris Farley inflection. He's like, I don't know why. It just happens naturally. I feel like Chris Farley's spirit's moving through. Like, Let me tell you a little something about my life. If I could get a word in edgewise, you little bastards. And just screwing around. And it's, so it's like really fun and funny. And then at the end of the day, a bunch of people are blessed. I went to the Montana Rescue Mission with a bag full of clothing donations. Good stuff, too, like thermal socks, um, socks, hats, some gloves, um, just stuff I thought people would need, a ton of toys for the kids. Um, I gave this little girl this, like, really cute uh, stuffed animal cat with a rainbow tail and she was so happy and oh my god I started tearing up like she was so happy I'm like that's why I'm doing this like and I just and then then uh I gave him a bunch of food too I think around then total with all my donations to Salvation Army in the rescue mission was probably around like 800 bucks which was a lot that was like my whole December check but it was worth it and you know yeah I lived on ramen for the whole month but I felt awesome and I'm not like doing this to like, oh, come look. I'm doing it, try to get the word out about DSK because I think anybody that gets on board with this, um, like I just like started this idea. It's like rolling a snowball down the hill and I'm hoping it'll avalanche and then everybody can get on board and let the idea be um, how fun is it to bless others? We're blessed to be a blessing. And so I'm hoping that DSK can be a fun, positive, fun thing. It's just like the way people like to play fall. It's awesome. It's fun. You're like, you want to play fall this weekend? Let's go. Um, or like a kind of thing where, and then it, let it be, not necessarily for competition or whatever, but like let it be a healthy competition where it's just like, oh, I saw your re- most recent DSK thing. That was awesome. I'm doing one. Cool, dude. I'm going to do another one. You should do one. And then everybody... It's not like we're competing with each other because really the end goal is just to bless people. But if there was going to be a competition, it's like how much can we bless people? Like that's a positive thing. Like instead of people being like, oh, well, I have a nicer car or oh, my girlfriend's hotter. or Oh, I live in a better house or oh, I have nicer clothes. Let it be like – and it's, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. But I do think by helping others, 
um, it's just there's I don't see any downside to it. So the the whole point of DSK and when you see me doing this, that's like this is the opposite of flipping somebody off. Right? Okay, so this okay. is the opposite. So when you see me doing this or whatever, it's like bless you, I love you, I hope good things come your way, I hope you were healed, I hope you were blessed. So a lot of people are like, why are you throwing your gang signs? And I'm like, this is the opposite. And no, my fear is that there's probably some huge gang out there, probably. like MS13. They'll be like, hey, what's that fucking white boy doing with that shit? Let's kill him. And, and it's like, but I'm not going to stop doing this because I'm going to keep blessing people. And that's what Spirit Squadron is about. That's what DSK is about. And so anybody that wants to make a DSK video, do it, put it out there. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you're smoking weed, it's like, you want to match bowls. That's how I look at it with DSK. It's just like, Hey, I just picked up a bunch of dog poo. You're like, <laughs> dude, I just swept up a bunch of glass. I just, my neighbor's fence is covered in graffiti. So I went and painted over it for him. Um, and so anything you can do that's beneficial is totally welcome. And I think what I'm trying to do with spirit squadron and the ghosties and the phantoms is let's, start an army and rather than starting a gang we're a family and so anybody's welcome and like the only rules are no cruelty um you got to have an open mind you got to treat people with respect and you got to be we're all soldiers in this army and just because i'm a general i'm on the front lines dude i'll be the first to die and i i believe in this and i think this is like really a spirit-based thing and i just i want um everybody to get involved with it if they're interested and it's just like let's 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 change the world hell yeah brother i love it well, we got to wrap this up. I got to get you back to work. Um, but real quick, so I, I'm going to leave a link in the description okay. of this video for all your stuff. Total. So send me whatever links you want, Spirit Squad, all that stuff. Okay, Spirit Squad channel are on YouTube. Um, I'm trying to get a comedy one and a DSK one, so there will be more stuff coming out. I'm just trying to uh, we can out. We can at least link Spirit Squad because I'm sure if people can connect to Spirit Squad, they can branch and find those other Total. ones. So we'll at least get Spirit Squad in the uh, description awesome. and then we've talked to, you've said a lot of really positive shit and I, and I love it. Cause that's what this, that's the, uh, you know, mantra of this whole show, you know, that's yeah. like the, the mission statement. It's awesome. But I like to close my shows with one positive or motivational message to the guests. If there's anything specific, just like a nice button up for the episode. Um, I would say, Whatever you're struggling with right now, it's a crazy time in the world. Um, and I think everybody's just kind of like, what the hell is going on? Is this the end times? What's happening? Whether it is or whether it isn't. Um, let's just make the best of it. Like, if you're struggling with sobriety, you can get sober. Like, we're stronger than we know. If there's somebody that hurt you, forgive them. Uh, forgive yourself. Um, just be willing to take another step. Like, I think a lot of life is one step forward, two steps back, three steps forward. So, like, I think whatever anybody's struggling with, or going through, like, it'll get better. There's a light. Um, and I think if we all, like, come together, unity, synergy, we're all working together. That's the goal of the Spirit Squad and DSK. It's like everybody can do something to make things better. And I think we're an, we're all an army of one. And so my vision is an army of army of one. So all of us working together, like what you're doing with Cutthroat. Like I saw you guys, you guys were killer. And I just think your vibe is so killer and, like, you guys are really good. I think, like, you guys start playing around Montana, dude, people are going to see how awesome what you guys are doing. And um, I just think that's really positive, You're, you know. And, and I'm just hoping that we, you know, here in Billings, we get kind of a bad rap out here. So I think if, you know, everybody that's doing art, all us creatives, like, kind of, like, put together. And, instead of competing with each other, like, let's all work together and support each other. Let's turn this into a hub of arts and culture. Because, like, you're seeing, like, the underpasses 
that that gal mm-hmm. Alyssa Leininger. That's amazing. Like that's all it is is like bird poo and like gang graffiti. But and then she puts this huge mural and then what they did on the grand building like this is awesome what Terry Porter was doing and I've been trying to talk to the DBA about like you know maybe going to some of the places downtown and putting some really beautiful murals up so that's another thing we're kind of working on we're just waiting for them to get back to us so I just I guess if I could say anything it's just like do something kind um, think positive and just do something to bless somebody else and you'll be blessed for it. I and, love it, man. And just it all, you know, you sow good seeds and life's a garden, my man. Absolutely. <laughs> well, hey, I appreciate you coming on. We'll have Absolutely. to do it again because I'm sure there's a lot more we can cover. Oh, but... you betcha. I had a blast. Oh, yeah, I did too, man. So thank you, everybody, for watching. Much appreciation. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you like, share, subscribe. And most importantly, don't forget, life's a garden. Dig it. You've got it. You've got it.